This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Living God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you are going to speak to each life here about. God, this is a holy moment and a sacred time. It's the moment that we ask for your word to challenge our lives. Some are coming with days full of scripture already in their hearts. And some, this will be their scripture for the week. God, no matter which way we come, change us now. I'm going to pray that with us. Change us now. Make us what you want us to be, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to bring you a message today entitled Shifted. Shifted. Now let me clarify. I did not say shifty. That may be some of your nicknames. I don't know. But shifted. And what I mean by this is that there's a shift of authority in your lives. There's been a change that has occurred. You are not who you used to be anymore. You are now different. We have been shifted. As it were, we went from one gear where we were struggling to cruising gear. Come on now, amen. We have been shifted. And so we go into Isaiah again this week. We've been in Isaiah almost the entire first half of the year. We took a break for about four or five months here, uh, and now we're back in the book of Isaiah. We are, we are reading these scriptures that most people ignore because they don't understand, and we're finding truths in these passages. And so today, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 28. I'm going to encourage you to keep your scriptures open with me as we, we're going to tear this passage apart. No one has shouted over this verse yet when if you understood already the beauty of this passage, you would already be shouting. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 28 reads like this. This message came to me. Notice this. This is Isaiah speaking. He says, this is what the Lord said to me. The year, this is going to be important, the year King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, you Philistines. It's not speaking to Isaiah, but speaking to the Philistines. Do not rejoice, you Philistines, that the rod that struck you is broken, that the king who attacked you is dead. Notice this. The year that the king died, a message comes out and says, don't get too excited, Philistines, that the king is dead. For from that snake, A more poisonous snake will be born, a fiery serpent to destroy you. In all three services, nobody has shouted over that passage. What in the world does it have to mean that a fiery snake is being born out of another snake, and why should that make me excited? Well, get ready for the journey of the Word. How many like going on a journey in the Word? Amen. Last week, we went back to what I'm calling the call of Isaiah, or Isaiah's call, 
And we talked about how in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, Jesus was revealed as the one who would meet us where we are. And he would teach us to regain the feeling that sin has robbed from our lives. You see, we realize that, that according to the Word of God, we all have spiritual leprosy. And the most dangerous thing about leprosy is it attacks your nerves and it causes you to lose the ability to feel pain. And without the ability to feel pain, you end up injured in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. And so this week, we're going to come back around and we're going to take a start from that point and we're going to move forward. But here's what I need you to understand. It's important for us to be able to be alive and have our senses because worshiping God is a multi-sensed portion of who we are. You can't just worship God in a spiritual realm. You must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You must worship Him both physically and spiritually. You've got to be able to worship God emotionally. Somebody said church gets a little too emotional sometimes. Well, the reality is, unless you are worshiping Him in the whole totality of who you are, you are not really experiencing God. Now, a lot of people say, Pastor Don, I don't know what it means when, when it means to feel God. I, you hear me say, man, I feel the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, I don't feel anything. Does God not love me? Has God abandoned me? Is, have I somehow lost the ability to enter into the presence of God? Well, I want you to get this very simple truth today. You can't feel the presence of God if your senses have been numbed by the effects of sin. If sin has so, it's what we learned about last week, if sin has so taken away our pain, and what that means is this, nobody wants to say God hurt me or God give me pain, but when we live in sin, the first time we go back into our sin, we, we grieve. The second time we start sinning, we are convicted. Maybe the third time, the fourth time, but somewhere around that fifth or sixth time, we've lost our conviction. As a matter of fact, we're now not only grieved, uh, not grieved by our sin, we're stocking it on the shelf of our life. And we become numb to the effects of sin. When we become numb to the effects of sin, we're also becoming numb to other things in our life, and we become numb, numb to the presence of God as well. It reminds me of a time in my life, this was in the 90s when I was working another job, and while I was on that job, an elderly gentleman came in one day, and I became overly concerned for his safety. I, I was convinced he'd been robbed or abused, some form of elder abuse, and, and as he comes in, his left hand is literally gnarled. I mean, it, it, it looks like someone has, has, he's been in a knife fight. I mean, it's, it's swollen, it's bloody, it's, it, it, it was just grotesque. His hand was so, so messed up, and I I, I, I spoke to him and I said, sir, can you tell me what happened to you? Why, why, what's wrong with your hand? And I mean, it was just horrible. And, and he said, oh, it's a long story. But, uh, I said, well, what is the story? And he said, well, uh, somebody gave me a puppy. And he said, I fell asleep with my hand laid over the side of the chair. And when I woke up, that puppy had chewed my hand up. I immediately thought, what kind of puppy do you have? Because I never want one of those. I saw that Tasmanian devil from cartoons in my mind, you know, and, and I was like, what in the world? What kind of dog have you taken that, that would chew you up like that? And I was just, I mean, I began to question him and I, I almost began to irritate him because I was like, I mean, that, there's no way that's really what, what really happened to you? And he's like, I told you, I, I, this dog has chewed up my hand. 
And I, 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 like I said, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, should we report it to, to a human, uh, family services or what, what should we do? And, and as he leaves, the boss says to me, he says, Don, he said, I want to talk to you for a minute. He said, Don, uh, the man told you the truth. I know this man. The dog chewed up his hand. I said, how in the world could you fall asleep and a dog do that to you and you not know what it has done to you? I mean, if Christina, as small as she is, just rotates in the bed, it wakes me up. I have this image of her biting on my hand, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I would be awake. You know, what in the world? But here's what I, I the man informed me. He said, Don, what, what you're not catching is he's an alcoholic. And when he went to sleep, he actually drunk himself into such a numb state, he could no longer feel that he was being chewed upon. See, that's the way sin works. It numbs you to the state that you live in denial and you don't know everything it's doing to you. It robs you of your joy. It robs you of your family. It robs you of your peace. It robs you of your hope and it's taking little bites out of who you are and when you allow yourself to stay numb, that's where you're going to end up. Just a little bit of anger, just a little bit of bitterness, just a little bit of something before long is chewing on who you are. And God has sent me with a word today to tell you that if you want to know His presence, then you've got to be willing to feel the pain of conviction again in your life. But what does that have to do with Isaiah chapter 14? Well, I want you to notice here in this passage, as we come to this place, we begin to feel pains in our lives. We begin to recognize we're struggling with sin. We realize something, that not only are we struggling with little sins, we're also struggling with some big sins that no matter how many times we beat our heads against them, they're not moving in our lives and they feel like a brick wall. And quite literally, we call those in the spiritual world a stronghold. We've given place to the devil and a stronghold has been built. So what do you do when you run into a sin that just won't budge? Well, the answer comes from Isaiah chapter 14, the passage that we have read. Now, what I need you to understand that in, according to the oldest Jewish commentaries, Isaiah 14, 28 through 29 is not a, a, a message of condemnation to the Philistines, but however, it is a messianic prophecy. It is a prophecy that says an old king might have kept you in control, but there's a new king that's coming in. And with him shall come a consuming fire. Now, let me explain that to you. To understand that, we have to read that first passage that I pointed out to you that says the year King Ahaz died. It was the year that the king died and a new king was coming on the scene. Now, this is not the first time that we read from the prophet of Isaiah that he has a revelation of who God is when one king dies. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, one of the most popular uh, Old Testament scriptures, we, we read this. It was the year that King Uzziah died. I was in the temple, and I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. 
We've all read that passage, but what we're missing here is the connection between Isaiah 6 and Isaiah 14, that there's a connection here that says that what God is saying is every time there's a power shift, there's a shifting from authority from one kingdom to another kingdom, you're going to get a revelation of who God is and who the true king is, and you're going to be able to understand what God can do in your life. So as Uzziah has died, all of a sudden, there's a change that occurs. There's a shifting, and Isaiah looks up, and he realizes, and he begins to understand that there's a new king and a true king who's really in control. Can I tell you that what once bound you and you thought you couldn't live without no longer has a hold on you. You are now free by the authority of Jesus Christ because, watch this, not because you run rampant in freedom, but because you bowed your knee to another king and when you declared the old bondage no longer your authority, but now you bow to none other but the name of Jesus Christ. There's a new authority in your life and a new kingdom that brings a new order to who you are. How many of you think for a new king who wants to walk in our lives. You see, in order to walk in freedom, we must transfer our allegiance from one kingdom to another. I've got to make up my mind, the old king is dead. Who was your king? What held you back? What had your number? What enemy can always control you. It's time for that to fall and for a new kingdom to be established. So what does God do that helps Isaiah walk in the revelation of the new kingdom? Because what happens? How many of you have ever heard it said that when you get to heaven, i got a few things I'm going to tell God. Anybody ever heard that? Can I tell you something? There are a few things you're going to tell God. You're going to fall before him as everyone in the scripture fell before him that's encountered him. And you're going to begin to say like Isaiah, whoa, whoa, whoa is me. I am undone. I am unclean. I am a sinful man. I don't deserve to be here. And as we realize that there's a new king that's walked in the house, everything that's been really bonded or holding us under its authority falls to his authority and we begin to confess it. And as we begin to confess it, I love what God says to Isaiah. Listen to this. Then, uh, verse number six, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He brings fire from the altar and he touched my lips and he said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So wait a minute now. I've got a revelation of who God is, but I realize I'm not measuring up to who he is. And God says what you need in order to follow this new revelation of who I am is not a step and not a system, but what you need is a move of the fire of God in your life. Now watch this. You see, we need a revelation of who is in charge, and we need a touch of God to do what we can't do ourselves. God says, hey, I can help you overcome that generational curse, but you don't understand. My family for six generations have been bound by this thing. No, you don't understand. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, washed in the blood of the Savior, and now there's a new king in town. Your family might have, listen, I understand. My family bowed for generation after generation after generation to alcoholism, but one day my dad walked into a little country church, bowed his knee, and all of a sudden a new king came into order, and a new kingdom took authority, and when 
that kingdom took authority, all the old strongholds had to fall. He couldn't do it on his own, but it was the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. We must realize that the fire of the new king comes comes to judge, in this scripture, the Philistines. The Philistines. In the scripture, Philistines are always symbolic in the scripture of the desires of the flesh. All right, listen to me carefully. They always are symbolic of the sin of the flesh. Those Philistines would follow their cravings to the ends of the world. For example, in the death of Samson, we read about a gathering of the Philistines. As they have gathered, they have gathered around, watch this, for a sinful party centered around the worship of sports, sexuality, and social comparison. And then they also were considered a rebellious people who wanted to rule themselves. Hold on a minute. They were a people who worshiped sport, sexuality, and social comparison. I, I know that seems odd to us. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, could you imagine a society that worships the gods of sports, I, idolizes and personifies the overtly sexual? I mean, can you imagine a place where masses keep, as it were, a book of faces so they can p- compare themselves against others? I mean, that seems really foreign to us, right? Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> or could it be that we no longer find these things strange? When a man who has no character can become the idol of our sons. When someone who shows her body for money can become the goal of our daughters. And we don't notice because we're too busy looking at other people's faces in the book. That's truth. It's truth. You see, as in the first power shift of one king to another king in the word, immediately we must realize we have to deal with our sin when there's a new king in our life. The worship of the unworthy must stop. The longing for the fleshly fulfillment must meet the fire of the Holy Spirit. The comparison game that enslaves us must fall under the fact that none of us will ever measure up to him, but we should do our best to reveal him to the world. And here is where the Jewish passage gets it really, really cool. This is where their commentaries get it best. Here's what they said, not me. They said the promised one, the Messiah, and I'm going to say Jesus, will be more deadly to the works of the flesh than any other king because he will be known as one who walks in dominion with fire that consumes. Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute now. When you have a power shift in your life by confessing Jesus as Lord, you should expect the strongholds of the past to fall before him. 
Because it said, listen, it blew my mind. You see, he, I, I always read this. Well, we're in trouble here. No, we're not in trouble here. The, it's writing to the Philistines, the works of the flesh here, and said, no, 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 you thought Ahaz had it under control. But let me just show you what Jesus is going to do. Let me translate that for you. You thought you could control your sin? You thought you could get everything back to a good, healthy place? You thought you could stop it on your own? You thought if I could just get just one day's break, I'd get there. And before long, you find yourself laying back down in that sin, therein is your problem. What you need is to surrender to the authority of another king. And as he comes walking into your life, every bondage of the enemy is lit up by the glory of the king. And as the glory of the king ignites that with fire, all of a sudden it begins to fall before you. And what you couldn't take out, the spirit of the Lord is clinging out of who you are. And before long, you'll find yourself doing stuff that you don't want to do. Like repenting. To each other. Greeting people you don't like. You think that's easy? I've got somebody in my life that that, that, if they smile, can I tell you how their smile is interpreted into my life? I I interpret it, come over here and slap that ugly thing off my face. (laughs) Because I know they're thinking devious thoughts behind that smile. And the other day I saw them and I was like, I was like, Lord God in heaven, you're going to be good to me today. They're not going to see me in Jesus name. And the Holy Spirit said, you go to them. I said, no, 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 no. Get thee behind me, Satan. Come on now. And the Holy Spirit said, you go. And so I went out of my way to go to that person. And when I went out of my way to go to them, they literally squared themselves up like, like a gunfighter ready for a fight. And I was like, how you doing? They said, what? I said, how are you? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, grab this with you as you go. And I took them a gift. Some of my family members were looking at me like, can I tell you something? In one moment of obeying the Holy Spirit, a wall began to fall. Walls began to fall. See, some of you are looking for lightning to fall from heaven, and you come down to an altar, and all of a sudden, boom, everything's better. Can I tell you something? What you really need is a move of the Holy Ghost in your life because he wants to send a consuming fire to burn inside of you to remove every vestige of the fallen nature that's within you. And when you start obeying the Holy Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons and daughters of God. We want to cry out and shout, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Well, if you're saved, then you need to start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit when he tells you to run, run, when he tells you to repent, repent. When he tells you to be good, be good, and do what's right. But Pastor Don, I I, I don't know how. I've been trying. I'm knocking my head against the wall. I'm giving this. I'm going to close with this. Listen to me carefully. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11. This is what John the Baptist said. He said, certainly I call you to repentance, and I baptize you with water. But there's one who's coming after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy. Sandals. I can't even carry his sandals. Can't can't even undo his sandals. And I don't deserve any to be in his presence. But when he gets here, you see, I've just told you to repent. I've just told you to, to, to do your best to do what's right. But when he gets here, he's not just going to tell you to do your best to do what's right. He shall baptize you with an all-consuming fire as he walks into your life and takes control. Amen. See, some of you can't get excited about that because it's too far out there. Let me bring it right here. 
you're at home. You know you've got three hours until your in-laws are going to be there. (laughs) There's still dirty dishes all over the sink. And you get a text, as in-laws can only do. We'll be there in 10 minutes. (laughs) What do you do? You jump up. You tell the kids, put down your phones, turn off the systems, get to the kitchen now. You clean that, you dry that, and what we can't clean, stick in the oven. Come on now, amen. (laughs) Why? Amen. Why? Because somebody gave you a time limit and lit a fire under you. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to be for you. He wants to light a fire under you and to say, you've been living with that sin long enough. Guess what? I'm walking into your house and you better be ready because I'm coming in a day that no man knows the hour. No man knows the time. But I'm coming for a church that's watching and waiting for the return of the Lord. Get yourself moving. Get cleaned up because God's coming to visit your house. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise like he deserves all over this house? Stand to your feet. Give him a praise like he deserves. He's coming. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me. So here's the reason some of you are afraid of fire. Well, I don't want to get burned. You've been burned by sin, and it hadn't stopped you. What you're afraid of is that when the all-consuming fire touches you, there won't be anything left. Job 23.10 says it this way. When I have gone through the fire, I shall come forth as gold. Some of us don't realize the reason that the fire comes is to burn all of the strongholds and all of the dirt and all the generational things off of us because inside of each of you, you listen to me, inside of each of you, there is a righteous man or woman of God. There is a called vessel, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. There's an anointing to be used as a Jacob generation in this hour to change the world inside of each of you. She will never discover it, discover it numbed by sin. But when the fire of the Holy Ghost burst into your life, everything changes. How many of you would lift your hands heavenward with me now and pray this prayer? Send the fire. Send the fire. Burn away everything that is not of you. Now bow your heads in this place, all over this building. So I declare to you the two prayers of the last two weeks. Last week was, hurt me, Jesus, that I might feel the pain of my sin again. And this week, it's probably what we should call this, the series of Isaiah's prayers, but this week, it's send the fire. Send the fire. Let everything not of you would be burned away. And that there would be a shift from the kingdoms of this world until the kingship of my God in my life. For every mouth that shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord. King of my life. That's where it starts. I've got to have a shift from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of my God. 
Everybody's praying here. Those that are listening, you're crying out to God. Those who are watching right now, join with us in this moment of prayer. Send the fire, oh God. Burn away everything that's not of you. God's grace is here. If you would say with me, Pastor Don, there's some strongholds in my life that I need the fire of God to burn away. I want to see your hand all over this place. Put it up. Hold it up high. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. The majority of the people in this room, the majority, put those down. But we have to start in one basic place. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I have never, ever really surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. I've prayed prayers. I've, I've maybe even gotten in water. I put my name in church membership. But I've never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I've never had a shift from one king to him being my king. And I'm ready for him to be king of my life and be my savior. If that's you, I want to pray with you right where you are. I didn't embarrass the last batch of hands and I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you are, I want to see your hand up just as quickly as possible. If that's you, get it up. One, thank you. Thank you. Two, three, four. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Keep them up. Five. Thank you. Thank you. Six. Are there others that will join with these six? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. I feel like God's doing something in this place. Thank you. Thank you. People are responding all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Seven. Are there others? This is it. I'm looking around. This is your moment. This is your time. I promise you, I will not embarrass you, but this is where you're. Eight. Thank you. Thank you. Nine. Ten. Thank you. Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. All right, I'm going to pray for the fire of God to fall on all of our lives. But before we do, we're going to confess with these ten the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says they begin a new journey of new faith and new life as there's a shift from one king to another as He's made king of their life. Come on, pray with us collectively. If you're watching or listening, pray with us now. Maybe you're praying this prayer. Maybe, though I can't see, you're praying this prayer right where you are. We want you to receive Christ right there where you are now as well. Pray this prayer collectively with me now. Jesus, by faith, I give you my life. I want you to be king. You see my past, my present, and my future. All my sin and all the good, I give everything to you. And now I receive your grace from this day forward. I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. I believe he came for me. He died for me. And now he lives forevermore. And by faith, I receive God's love. In Jesus' name, God is my father. Heaven is my home. And Jesus is my savior. Amen and amen. Now come on, give God a praise like he deserves. Amen. Father, you see our hearts. Maybe these are hidden prophecies, but they are also painful prayers. Return the pain of our sin. Give us back our conviction. And send the fire that will tear down everything that will not fall before us. That we might be holy and clean by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name.
Amen. And amen. Come on, give God a praise right there where you are today. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now. Thank you.